Welcome to Project Blue, a podcast about the people, companies, and ideas changing the way we think about and manage our global water resources. My name is Matt. And I'm Alexandra. Join us as we explore innovative technologies defining the future of water. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to episode number five. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lauren Brown, the Vice President and Chief Project Advisor of Metersys. Metersys is a consulting firm that specializes in helping utilities navigate through AMI and smart city transitions. Smart water meters have been around for decades, but it's taken some time for the technology to gain traction, momentum, and trust in the industry. While we're seeing AMI get more widely adopted, it is still challenging for utilities to overcome the barriers of financing such large projects, as well as sifting through the variety of vendors and options available when electing to embark upon a project like this. Lauren will discuss some of the best practices and myths that go along with AMI transitions and where she sees this technology going in the future. Enjoy. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Project Blue, and thanks for joining today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, I am excited to hear and learn from your experiences of helping utilities navigate through AMI projects and smart city initiatives, Uh, but I'm hoping you can start us off by sharing with me a little bit about yourself and Metersys. Absolutely. Uh, So Metersys is uh, about a five and a half year old company. Um, Andy and I started it, um, both of us have local government backgrounds. So he actually was a town manager for about a decade in different places in North Carolina. I got my master's in public administration and like always wanted to work with local governments. And so while we were doing just general local government consulting prior to Metersys, uh, we did a couple of projects with utilities that were implementing AMI. And it became quite apparent that with this great technology, um, there wasn't a lot of support to meet the utility where they were at, you know, so with all of the software integrations and, uh, applying the data to the workflows and organizational redesign that it was being treated more as a construction project, which it's a technology project It touches all these different departments. So yeah, we started MeterSys with the goal of being that advocate for the utility who, really just kind of guides them through the whole process, right? Whether it's uh, before they have any technology and they're just putting feelers out to see, you know, what technology is the right fit for them, uh, what's the feasibility and can they afford it. Uh, We help them with the RFP. So doing that actual procurement, vendor due diligence, that sort of thing, um, will manage the project on their behalf. So staff can do, you know, their day job. (laughs) And then after the installation that we call it uh, post-deployment services. Mm-hmm. So really making sure you're getting the most out of your network, uh, out of your software, everything is sort of working as best as it can. Uh, we support them there as well. And so you guys come in and are the all around advisors from beginning to end on these um, AMI initiatives. And in addition to project management, um, it sounds like you're also vendor neutral in all of the options that are available for utilities as they're looking for different, you know, types of meters or types of technologies that would fit their specific needs. 
Um, can you talk about some of the options that are out there as far as types of meters and what kinds of technologies might go with a project like this and, and how you guys can boil all of the options out there in the world into the right fit for a, a specific customer? <laughs> yeah, great question. Um, we are vendor neutral and that's the fun part is that we get to work with all the different kinds of meter manufacturers and technology providers and distributors and there really is a lot of options out there. Um, and it can be overwhelming for a utility who, you know, maybe they just want to automate their reads and they didn't really know they were signing up for all the different decisions that then actually go into choosing what solution to get. So yeah, we, um, we really take that uh, information and balance. Uh, I liken it to trying to pick out a mattress. You go to a store and realize there are a billion different options. There's all of this lingo and you, you just are like, can we try a few? I don't even know where to start. So yeah, we, um, so you actually can do some pilot projects and the equivalent yeah. of taking a nap on the mattress in the store. Some mattress testing. Yep. Some pilot <laughs> projects are good. Um, but we also, even before you would have to put something in the ground, try to just educate the customer on the different solutions. And, you know, here's the different meter types. Here's the pros and cons of them. Here's the different technology solutions, pros and cons of them and really comparing the solutions to each other um, with the top tier AMI manufacturers, you know, they all work. They've all been around for a while now. Um, so really it is how you said, just picking the best fit solution for the utility because it's not a one size fits all. Um, and there are different use cases for all of them. Hmm. So I'd love to, to dive into like, what the draw is for utilities to transition to AMI, where there's such expensive projects to switch out all these meters to new expensive meters and build the, the cell towers that go along with projects like this. Um, so I'd love to hear from you about that. Um, but I quickly want to lay the stage for at least my understanding of the different meter types um, that are kind of the preceding technologies before AMI, which would be we have our basic manual meters that are, you know, they pretty much measure the volume of water that flows through that meter and they have a, an odometer essentially on the outside where utilities can um, send out staff to read and document the total volume that's flowing through that meter at a certain point in time. And then they do their billing processes in line with that. Um, and then we have AMR meters or, or radio read meters that pretty much add on um, a, a head end unit to that, that are able to transmit that meter information a certain radius and utilities can either drive by in a truck to read that and have routes through their um, communities to be able to pick up those reads or have touch read systems where they actually have a, a handheld unit and collect those. Um, but kind of the best of what metering technology today provides is what we call AMI meters or smart meters. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what an AMI meter is and why um, there are benefits to that kind of meter compared to the other meters that exist out there? Yeah, and that was a great summary, by the way, of that sort of uh, technology generations prior. Um, and AMI really isn't that much of like cutting edge technology because it essentially takes that gateway that for AMR, those drive-by meters, 
uh, is that laptop in the car and just sticks it on the top of a tower. And so it's constantly listening for the reads. And instead of having that head-in system be in uh, the drive-by software, it's instead, you know, hosted in a, on the cloud and it's the server. And so uh, it's the same concept though. And the benefit is mostly in the just volume of data that you get. So you go from one read a month, if you're reading manually or just once per month, to 720 if you're going to hourly AMI reads. And that alone allows you to just see issues more clearly. You know when stuff happens instead of, well, yep, your usage is more than it was last month. But, you know, there's no way you could narrow down leaks or any sort of issue uh, on the consumption or changes in that usage pattern. And that's where the value of AMI is, is really in the data. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of utilities struggle with just the sheer volume of data. And that's, I think, where we're starting to see that, um, I guess, migration into what's the next iteration of AMI, which is uh, what we call beyond the read. So it's, yeah, I mean, AMI helps you automate reads for billing, but there's so much more you can do with that data uh, outside of just picking one of those 720 reads to bill off of. Hmm. Uh, And that's really that sort of next level. All right. How can we really improve operations? How can we reduce non-revenue water loss? How can we, you know, really impact the bottom line for the utility. And it sounds like, you know, as we see AMI meters uh, starting to be uh, more widely adopted, that utilities across the board are, are recognizing this themselves and taking the initiative to begin these AMI projects. Um, do you find yourself having to explain and put a number on the benefits of these AMI projects? Um, or do they see it themselves? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, um, so we do, and I'm going to do a shameless plug. Uh, we actually have a website calculator, which is a free tool that allows you as a utility to plug in you know, square miles, number of meters, answer a couple of questions about your system, and we'll do some calculations. So we actually have like a very robust feasibility model where we, you know, that's what we do as part of our services. Mm-hmm. Um, we essentially are offering this as like a very boiled down version of it. That kind of gives you just a general number to use if you were just sort of uh, back of the envelope estimate. I think the myth is that a lot of smaller utilities assume they can't afford it or bigger utilities for that matter, just trying to figure out how to allocate funds to pay for it. Most of what the sort of feasibility study and business case development work uh, focuses on is just getting a current cost of operations now, because it's pretty staggering the amount of resources spent when it's man hours, because I mean, the people are your biggest cost and also your biggest resource. Um, But yeah, if you're paying somebody to go manually read a meter and drive around all day and that's their job, one, that doesn't have to be their job. So even if you upgrade to AMI, 
Now, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of everyone who's reading meters. That does mean you are able to free up that time of theirs to then do more proactive stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's in those benefits, the cost savings, the uh, reduced big breaks and big issues because you're doing more preventative maintenance, those sorts of savings that really start to move the needle for utility of like this benefit outweighs the upfront capital costs. Yeah. And so they, when a utility switches over to AMI, they see immediate savings as far as operational expenses because those reads are coming in automatically. But beyond that, there's a lot of these long-term benefits that you're talking about with the preventative maintenance and having the analytics to be able to, you know, understand what big picture is going on um, that you couldn't really before. Do you think that the savings are larger in the long run or immediate when you make a switch to AMI? I think it is dependent on how much the utility takes on and really adopts the full suite of the AMI services and the technology. And by that, I mean, you know, if they're able to, as soon as they put the network up, replace all the meters in their system as fast as possible Mm -hmm. and really begin the benefits of having a full AMI network, all automated reads, you're able to do a lot more in terms of like district metered areas and, you know, line loss. Um, You're able to do more on that proactive customer notification, which gets a bit more into that qualitative benefit versus that bottom line Mm -hmm. cost savings benefit, but is super important. So I I don't know that I could put a a demarcation of time. It just kind of depends on, you know, if they are one of those utilities that wants to do all the things all at once, they're going to see the benefits faster. Um, but by no means is that, I guess, a, a dig against those utilities who, you know, they do the meters and then they take on the next step of maybe it's a water smart customer engagement portal. And then maybe a year later, it's something else. So the good thing is they can grow into the technology but they might just not see all the benefits all at once. Hmm. So you just mentioned it's beneficial for utilities when they, when they make this switch to switch out those meters as fast as possible. So they can tap into the benefits of having a complete AMI network. Um, Why is that better for utilities to try and make that transition as fast as possible um, as opposed to more of a stretched out, um, timeframe on how they switch out those meters in their distribution network? Sure. I will caveat this by saying that, again, it's, it depends on the utility itself and their needs and financial constraints. But what we usually see in the projects is that utilities have the perception that by doing the meter replacement internally, they're going to save money. And that might be true, but I guess it gets to the point of, you know, if they're implementing the technology to free up staff resources, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to then use that limited staff resources to do other meter change jobs on top of their other jobs. So having a trained installation team come in and knock those out for you uh, allows 
you know, better maintenance of utility operations. It allows you to do that quicker, just the implementation in general. On top of the benefits from usually more robust data capture, there's not a lot of benefits of them doing it themselves unless it's an absolute necessity. Hmm. I'd be curious to kind of now go into the financing of AMI projects. And um, you mentioned before some of the myths of financing AMI projects. So I'm curious to hear about that from you. Um, but I mean, these these projects are enormous, like tens of millions of dollars, if not more sometimes, depending on the size of the utility, when these AMI meters can be, uh, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, and you're talking about every single meter switching out, the installation process for that and costs associated with that, as well as building these AMI towers and having the software and technology um, that goes along with it. I mean, these are huge projects and utilities are on pretty strapped budgets. Um, what does the financing for a big project like this look like? And yeah, what are some of the myths that go along with AMI project financing as well? As far as the myths, I think the biggest one is the assumption that uh, it's not affordable. Um, the costs of AMI systems in general have come down a lot in the last few years. It's much more competitively priced. And I think that's just, you know, how technology works as it becomes more adopted and later versions are released, <laughs> it becomes just cheaper overall. So, you know, first off, there's that. Secondly, just the different offerings that the manufacturers are releasing now, um, it seeks to address those sort of financing pain points, really financing and maintenance pain points. So um, networking as a service is now a very common thing for the AMI vendors to, to offer or to bid on. And it's essentially saying, you know, utility, you don't have to worry about um, the capital costs of the network will provide that and you just pay us an operational fee uh, to maintain the system for you. So it's great for utilities that maybe don't have a climber or uh, you know, just don't wanna touch the network or are really looking to not have the cost of supporting a network and, and propping that up. So hmm. you know, that could be anything from doing a more cell-based AMI like Badger offers or um, you know, any of the other vendors like Neptune, Mueller, ITRON, they offer that network as a service. So it essentially takes what would be that upfront capital cost of the network and rolls it into a, an annual maintenance fee. Hmm. So there's that sort of savings. Um, at MeterSys, we actually have metering as a service, and that's a design, build, finance, operate, and maintain option, uh, mostly for smaller utilities that really just don't have the funds or the desire to take on the AMI project. And so essentially we just help them by securing the financing and then implementing the whole project from installing the meters to uh, helping run it after the system's installed. And you know that's also, I think, just gonna become a more popular option. And that's mm -hmm. that, public-private partnership um, 
that's also pretty common in just smart city implementations in general. Hmm. So I'm sure it varies from utility to utility, depending on size and a ton of factors, but what kind of like time frame do you see these kinds of projects pay for themselves? Ooh, good question. The return on the investment, uh, it depends really on the age of their current meters. Hmm. Uh, one of the contributions to that uh, benefit of AMI is that you're just getting new meters as part of it. <laughs> so having that more accurate registration, you know, just like anything with moving parts, it wears down as it gets older, uh, me included. <laughs> and, you know, that under registration equals just money and cost lost for the utility. Like they're not capturing the revenue they should by having accurate meters. So when they do that, you know, boom, that's an easy savings. And if the meters are over 20, 30 years, which isn't a stretch for a lot of utilities to have equipment that old in the ground. Yeah. We commonly see about seven to eight years for that uh, investment in, and that's the, the whole shebang that's network uh, software, full meter installation by, you know, the trained installation team. So again, if you were piecemealing that or doing something differently with your options, like there are ways to make it more affordable. Um, and I will just say quickly on that, like there are some strategies in general that the utility can start with if they know they want to go AMI that will help when it does come time to do the project. It'll help with cost savings. It'll help, you know, the installers find the meters and things like that. So I don't know if that's a tangent to get into or that is helpful to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into it. I'm curious what some of those um, <laughs> options are. Yeah. Well, I think it depends too on, uh, again, the age of the system, but a lot of utilities we work with, uh, the folks who are working there currently have inherited a system that is however old that has however many varieties of meter types and you know different people were inputting the data over the years and uh, so data management is probably the number one pain point and area for if you know you're going to go AMI you can focus a bit of time and resources on that Mm-hmm. to then have that benefit when you start to do the project. Um, so what I mean by that is just doing a quick uh, query to see, you know, do you know all of the size meters you have and the quantities of them? Because that's what you're going to need, you know, to buy them to replace them. So doing a field audit, if that is, you know, a question mark there. Um, making sure you have full service addresses for all your accounts where it's, you know, house number and street address instead of, you know, just some shorthand where the guy who's read the meter for 20 years totally knows where that is. But if somebody comes in to install that meter, they are not going to know where that meter is. Um, So little things like that. Or, you know, marking with the little spray paint on the side of the the curb or the road uh, to help identify those meters for replacement. Things like that. So do AMI projects always go with 
ratepayer increases? No, they don't have to. I guess it depends. Um, so uh, a couple of our utilities have implemented, uh, they're calling it like an AMI fee. And it's kind of like a tap fee where it's from the utility standpoint, uh, you're getting the benefit of this extra information. And um, usually that is accompanied by the customer portal because that's really the benefit to the customer of AMI. Mm -hmm. Without that piece, it's just kind of, you know, at least you're getting billed more accurately maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think whether you do it that way or, you know, if it's um, depending on your financing options, one thing I didn't mention earlier with the financing are grants. There's actually a lot more state and federal funding for water system upgrades, which hopefully continues because that need is very great. Uh, and as you said, these systems aren't cheap, but the, the value and that long-term benefit is just so substantial. So I think with that sort of more top-down help, it does make it a little more digestible. Um, or even if it's just competitive loan rates and low interest rates for the utility to afford it on their own without having to do a rate increase. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the reasons that utilities choose to not um, go forwards with an AMI project? Is it a question of timing or for some small utilities, is it, is it just really too expensive? Why is it not right for some? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think cost is definitely the main factor. But um, what worries me is that some utilities might just think it's too complicated. And that's really where, you know, MeterSys is built to support those utilities. Hmm. Because we think the value there is so great that, and it it is complicated. Like there is a lot that goes into it, but it's not too much so um, that it would be an impediment to adoption overall, you know? So our role of trying to break it down into more digestible chunks and really handholding the utility through the process is in hopes of serving that increased adoption by utilities who, who maybe would be like, you know, we don't have a lot of tech savvy staff and we're not sure, you know, how to make a decision of what technology is right for us. So we're just going to like keep kicking the can and not do anything. Hmm. So having a partner who would be able to walk you through it um, and without steering, right? Like vendor neutral, I think is a key focus for us. Um, but along with that neutrality is the advocacy for the utility, but it's, for them to make their own decisions. So giving them enough information because they know their utility best, they know their customers best. It's just educating them enough on their options so that they know they're confident in making that decision. You know, short of some extenuating circumstances, I can't see utilities not eventually adopting AMI. Where we've been at for a few years now is that the technology is stable to the point of it now has backwards compatibility when vendors are, you know, releasing their new and improved best widget. So mm -hmm. yeah, I might have an older version, 
but either I can take advantage of the new stuff or if I get the new stuff, it doesn't mean all of my old stuff doesn't work anymore. Hmm. So it, it encourages that sort of ongoing management and replacement, which is where we want to be as an industry. We don't want to have to wait 20 years to do something. And uh, we're seeing more interoperability. So less of uh, it being so much uh, proprietary networks and a meter vendor that, you know, their meter will only talk on their network. Um, instead, we're seeing a movement to that more smart city design. Um, so for instance, uh, LoRa networks, which is short for long range, and essentially it's perfect for water meters because that's that you know low data limit, long range, small text blast pieces of data. Uh, it's not video bandwidth stuff. That having that sit on a LoRa network just means instead of it being on a uh, master meter system or instead of it being on a census flexnet system it is on a public system still private still you know you have to check all the boxes to be able to speak on it but it's that common language instead of it being proprietary interesting so very long-winded response to that like next level of the smart city which is where ami is going it's okay, we see the, the need for meters to be a part of that smart city design, but maybe it's not the focus. And that allows cities to not be like, okay, if I adopt AMI and set up my network for my water meters, then to have some other sensor technology, I have to have a redundant network. It's mm -hmm. one network that can do all the things, ideally. Alrighty. So as we're, um, as we're winding down our, our conversation, are there any um, last notes you feel like are important takeaways about meter systems work um, with these kinds of projects um, or any last things you'd like to, to share with our listeners? Tall order, but I guess um, in summary, one, thank you for even having me on this. I think project blue and what you're doing is really cool. Um, what I've, found really enjoyable about working in the water industry is that it is very rewarding because water is a finite resource and anything we can do to improve sustainability and you know save the planet like that's a great day of work there but I think what's rewarding most about working for metersys is that uh you know, I always wanted to work with local governments and now I get to work with a lot of them. Uh, and there's so much technology and just solutions to some of these common pain points out there. Uh, and it's not this sort of pie in the sky dream, right? It can be as simple as a meter that has a sensor and a radio in it and it tells you, I have a problem, come fix me. Or a stormwater sensor that says, uh, I have a problem, come fix me. And instead of the utility having to spread its already very thin resources, going to every meter and going to every stormwater drain, we can instead just say, nope, just go to the ones that there's an issue. So you're using taxpayer money better. I mean, just for the coronavirus, like, 
being able to have that remote work and focus resources only where needed is huge. So I do continue to see the value in, um, you know, well-designed and implemented automation and hope to just continue being able to do this. Yeah, it does have to be a, a gratifying and interesting role to kind of be the industry expert and being able to help advise yeah. utilities that may not have the resources or knowledge to understand all of the options that are out there, but you can see the problem and use your knowledge and experience and network and connections to be able to um, problem solve and help them out along the way. So that's, that's amazing. That's great to hear. Thank you so much for joining. Um, for anybody listening that is curious about Metersys and would like to reach out to you, um, what's the best way to get in touch? My email is lauren.brown at metersys.com. Please call, please email. Happy to just talk through any great. questions and answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks so much again. Thank you, Matt. All right. Talk soon. It is really great to speak with someone who's so knowledgeable and passionate about what they do. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Lauren and have a few takeaways about this wave of technology sweeping the industry. If you're curious about Metersys or have any follow-up questions for Lauren, please feel free to reach out to her directly through the contact information I provide in the description. Thanks so much for listening.